Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And I am, again, very excited to be back here on the podcast with all of you for season eight. And on today's episode, I have an opportunity to share with you a conversation that I recently had with one of my teachers, Frank Arjava Petter. Now, Arjava, as we all call him lovingly, is the vice representative of the Jikiden Reiki Institute in Kyoto, Japan. And he travels around the world teaching um, primarily Jikiden Reiki. And with all that's been going on in the world, he has not been teaching um, because he only teaches in person. However, in this time that so many of us have been um, unable to interact and socialize in the world the ways that we used to, our Java has taken the time to write two books. And that's what we discussed today. So one of the books that he has recently published is called Room One. Ooh, almost got tongue-tied, sorry. One with Reiki, Love, Devotion, and Being Present. And this book in particular really made my heart smile because it genuinely felt like being in one of his classes as I was reading this book. And for those of you who are Reiki practitioners and Reiki teachers, I'm sure this is one that you would wanna add to your collection. And then the other book that our Java wrote and which we will discuss today is called Is Awakening, Wanting Nothing and Participating in Everything. And I have to tell you, I was really surprised by um, the contents of this book. And in fact, this one in particular, I think would be very useful for anyone who is just trying to understand themselves, just trying to find inner peace, just working through the layers of our stuff. And you don't have to be a practitioner of Reiki or really a practitioner of anything to appreciate what is shared in this particular book. And so I am very thankful that he made the time to come and join us again on the podcast, sharing with us things he has learned. If you are not familiar with the work of our Java, he is, as I mentioned, the vice re representative of the Jikiden Reiki Institute. But he, at one point in his life, spent 12 years living in Japan. And he started practicing Reiki in the early 90s. So with living in Japan for 12 years, he learned a lot, of course, about that culture. And so he also gained a lot of understanding around the practice, which is missed on a lot of us that are here in the West and may not be familiar really with the culture at all. So in his book, One with Reiki, he shares a lot of insights around Japanese culture to help us understand the practice of Reiki in a more expanded way. But uh, he also shares a little bit of his time with Osho. So when he was 18 years old, he lived in an ashram in India, learning from Osho. And there he learned a lot about meditation and the practice of presence. And so you get a bit of that, especially in the book is where he highlights some of the challenges that we all encounter just as part of life. But also there is um, 
these exercises that he provides so that we can actually learn how to work through and sit with and use what we have to transform these different levels and layers of what we are working through personally at any given time. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with our Java and I would like to thank him again so much for making the time to join us here on the podcast today. Now, aside from that, I just wanna let you know, I have not sent out a newsletter in seven months until recently. So if you are on my mailing list, you would have gotten a newsletter from me um, yesterday. If you are not on my mailing list, feel free to sign up. Just go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com, and you will have updates and receive information about what is new in my world and what I am sharing um, with you to support you on your path. So I thank you all for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so we are here with my dear teacher, Frank Arjava Petter. And I just wanna thank you again um, so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Yolanda. Thank you for inviting me. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. Yeah, well, I have to tell you, um, you know, in reading both of these books, they're both so timely, your two new books, and I can't wait to really go into discussion about these. But before we jump into that, um, I was just curious, you know, about you and your practice. I was wondering before reading the books, I imagine with the way things have been going in the world, it's thrown a lot of people into different aspects of their practice or highlighting certain things. And then I saw that you at least wrote this one um, during everything that's been going on. So I just wanted to check in with you. How has that been on a personal level? Has, you know, this quarantine and being in our own spaces really highlighted particular things for you personally? I, I, I think um, this is something very multifaceted. Yeah? So on a practical level, I haven't been able to teach. I haven't been able to work here at all for more than a year. I haven't been able to go anywhere. So that was hard. And um, I, don't, I don't like teaching online. Right. So I don't. Yeah? I just wait until it's possible again to do what I like to do. I just love people. I love to be with people. And for me, Reiki, please don't misunderstand that. It's, um, it's just an excuse, really. Yeah, a great excuse to be with people, to be close to people, to, to work with people. This is what I love. And if I can't do it, then, or I can't do it in person, then I prefer not to do it at all. Yeah, so I've been waiting, sitting here, is because I don't want to uh, just sit here and lose it in some way, you know, and get depressed like many other people. I, I thought, okay, so what is it that I can do? Not to think too much about what I can't do, but about what I can do. And I decided that I'll get more into writing. And I thought I'd do a book that's... Um, 
timely yeah, that has to do with the situation now, maybe to help people get through this time with techniques, with breathing exercises, meditation techniques that they can practice now that many people have a lot of time. Yeah? Yes. So that was the the idea behind it. Yeah? And the, the other thing is that the reason I said it's so multifaceted is that it seems to me that this situation brings out everything that is dormant inside, in everybody, in all of us, me included. Yeah? So if there is fear, that's going to come up. If there's anger that's going to come up, if there's some kind of unethical something in you, it's going to come up. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been an amazing chance for introspection, really, and to see what you haven't been able to deal with yet, because it's right in your face. Yeah? This COVID situation is a mirror, and for that, beautiful, yeah? very yes. beautiful. Yeah, it has actually, um, the last year, I would say, was such a beautiful teacher in many ways. But as you're saying that, it, it brings up this first book um, that I wanted to have this discussion with you about that's called Is. And honestly, I was so surprised of what it actually was. I had no idea, you know, what the book would be about. But I have to tell you, um, it really kind of highlighted who you are. So I, I just want to say this for everyone listening. Um, I, I personally feel that we're very um, fortunate, you know, to have the different teachers on our paths that we have. And there are certain people that just have a certain way about them, like a certain grace and this love and this openness. And it was always a very curious thing about you. Like you just, it's not a forced thing. It's just a natural emanation of just love, but just like, there's nothing to it or to take away. It, you just, you just are. And so reading this book and what you provide, um, a lot of what we contend with, a lot of what you were sharing when we are very introspective, the things that we come uh, up against, so to speak, but then all of these beautiful exercises you provide of how we get to have that direct experience with what it is that we're going through. But it, it reminded me so much of how we get to that, revealing that aspect of ourselves that you seem to do just so easily. So um, I wanted to ask you more about that because of what you mentioned in COVID and what we all experienced. Is that what inspired this book and what about it you decided to lay out the like, okay, this is what it is that you may be looking at but this is also something that you can do to work with it or work through it. Um, you know, you write just like I do. Yeah? So probably for you, it's similar as it is for me. When you decide to write a book, it's not really that I sit somewhere and think about what I'm going to do, yeah? but somehow I have the, the knowing that inside it's done. It's all there. Yeah? I just have to remove obstacles. <laughs> so the, like the statue is already hidden in the stone. Yeah? So you just have to remove the access material. So I don't really sit somewhere and think about it. It's more an intuitive 
process. Uh, suddenly it just, bam, it's there. Yeah, that I start. Then yeah. this is what happened with this, with this project. And um, what you mentioned earlier, this my natural lovingness somehow. Yeah? It, it happened. I can remember how it happened to me. That was in 1976. I was in Brittany in France, sitting on the beach all by myself. So I could look left and right for miles. And there was nobody there. I was in the... I think in, in the spring before the tourists came and there was this big kind of beige dog coming. I could see him coming from, I don't know, two miles away. He was like like dogs run on the beach, going left and right and forward and backtracking a little bit. And then when he saw me, he just came straight towards me. And I stretched out my hand, he sniffed my finger, He stayed a little while and then left. And I was 16 years old at the time. And I thought, I want to be like that dog. One day when I grow up, just straightforward, kind, tender, yeah, like that, uh, and courageous. So that's what did it, a, a very simple, simple thing. I got it in that moment that it takes nothing. It takes only a decision to make, to be open, to be kind and loving, and that's it. You don't yeah. need to change. You don't need to be different than you are. You don't need to become some kind of super evolved person Also, We all have it here and now we're ready. Yes, and so that was one of the things that really highlighted about this book um, was the, uh, the pointing to the relationship with ourselves. And I think, you know, just, culturally and for so many reasons a, a lot of what we are seeking um, tends to be very externalized and when a lot of us do come to this point whatever it is that brings us there of doing this very introspective work it can be challenging so it was it was nice to see that you looked at all sides of things you look at both sides of um, what it is that we may feel what it is that we may think but then more so, okay, well, how do we sit with these things? How do we have the experience of what these feelings, thoughts, emotions are bringing up for us? And it, it, this book, it just weaves this beautiful dance of, you know, there is one part where you talk about orienting ourselves toward just what is. And I was like, huh, yeah. And again, it really comes back or comes out in your presence, you know, and you can see it even in how, um, much love because of who you are and how you are it's like your students that activates in us and then there's so much love coming back <laughs> towards you in the same way but again there's just like so much emphasis on what we're doing though the work that we're doing and so I was really curious about this too because um, you mentioned it a few times in the book um, your work and time with Osho and you know a lot of us can have ideas and stories about someone we've never met, <laughs> we never spent time with, and it seems that must have been a very significant teacher for you. So I just wanted to ask you about that, that time and how it has poured into the work that you continue to do in your life. Okay, this is, <laughs> you're in tune, yeah? Good. This is the kind of the next project or 
the, the second next. My next project is a, a book of poetry, which I've shared with you previously. I finally got it together to, to publish it. So that will come out, I think, fairly soon. And in the last three months, I've been sitting, writing down all my memories from the time with Osho. Wow. So that's the next, the next um, project, big project. It's with the editors at the moment because I had originally written that just for my family and close friends. And now that I'm considering to share it with uh, the public, maybe some of it needs to be edited out uh, because it's not relevant. So I spent so many years with him. I went there when I was 18. And um, it this time really shaped my life completely. And I think if, if I hadn't met him, I probably would have had a very, very different and not very nice life uh, because I was completely lost at the time. And I learned everything that I know now, I learned there. I learned from him and of course, from the people that were with him. People like me, most of them were a bit older, 15, 20 years older than me. I learned a lot from them too. And what I really learned was what you mentioned is kind of the basic of the is book is reflecting all the time, always looking back, reflecting at yourself, checking with yourself, what is going on inside? Where does it come from? Is it really me? Or is it perhaps something that I've learned from other people or something that other people have told me to do or not to do? Is it really mine or not? Do I own this? Do I feel comfortable with this or not? Yeah? So this is what I learned. There's just looking at the mirror all the time and questioning, questioning, questioning. And I think especially now during this situation, it's super important to do that because everybody's afraid, all of us yeah, in, some, in some way. And everybody is somewhat freaked out about this situation. So a lot of the time when you feel something, take the time and check, is that really me? Or am I just picking it up from the collective unconscious? Yeah, I find that very important. And you find most of the time when you, you're a bit depressed or you feel like your, your mood is going down, it actually has nothing to do with you whatsoever. You're just picking it up from, from elsewhere. And when you're clear about it, you can let it go. Yeah, and that's what I love about this book is because it's so practical. Um, and it's very direct, but I also love anything that gives me personal experience. I like to come into my direct experience with it so I can understand it in a way beyond, you know, we can't necessarily articulate these things. And one of the beautiful things about it is it really, for me, put a lot of emphasis on like two of the simplest things that we tend to overlook, but the breath and just observation, like, oh yeah, like be in that deep relationship with yourself, be an observation of yourself. And you, and I laugh reading um, both of the books because that, that aspect of you with the words that you use throughout the book, you talk about, you know, tenderness, like do it with tenderness, you know, have some joy, have some laughter and 
what it is that you're doing. While it is very serious, the reflection, don't take yourself so seriously. You know, it's like kind of lighten up a bit. And so one thing I just want to say for everyone listening, this book is one that like I want to buy for people in my family and they're not Reiki practitioners. They're not necessarily people we would say or, you know, interested in the things that we may um, consider ourselves seeking, but this speaks to everyone. And so one of the things about both of the books that highlighted for me is that that notion of liberation. And so I wanted to ask you about that a bit and what that means for you. And, you know, coming into actually being human and liberating and freeing ourselves. What does that mean for you? So liberation is a big word, yeah, liberation or enlightenment or self-realization. Or, but I see it much more, much more simple terms. Yeah? It's just being comfortable with who you are. Right. And being comfortable with who you are starts for me, starts at not violating myself and not allowing also anybody else to violate me. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, and of course, not violating somebody else either. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's all about going against your own nature and always feeling what the other's true nature is and not going against that. Yeah, so it's really a, a very simple, a very simple thing. That's how yeah. I see. Well, you know, when I, um, because I, I studied uh, Reiki or took Reiki classes from, you know, various teachers over the years, like, you know, back then at the start. And um, one of the things I really appreciated about the way that you teach and what you share is your heart kind of leads it. Like it leads the class and it, it even unconsciously, I think it just highlights for us that the practices within the system are pointing directly at that heart mind and that 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 essence that character of who and what we are not just the laying of hands or the different things that we may do to help us refine personally but literally um that expression of who you are becoming right and so when i started reading this other book that you wrote, uh, one with Reiki, it, it genuinely felt like being in class with you. And I thought, wow, what a gift to so many um, who get to read this book, because again, it has that, that, that history that you're so great with, <laughs> the directness, the clear, concise information, but also that aspect of the tenderness and what it is that we're really doing and what it is that it's really pointing to. So I wanted to um, ask you a little bit about that because a lot of people still do think like Reiki just is a technique for relaxation. It's just for physical ailments. So can you share a little bit about what this means to be one with Reiki and what it helps us to do? I, you know, I, I always think that if somebody writes a, a poem, yeah, they write because they're experiencing something and they want to share that experience, yeah? whether it's a love poem or something that has to do with 
any kind of any kind of feeling that you experience you want to share or somebody who sings a song eh, who wants to share that song with his audience and hopefully have people experience some of what he experienced in their in their own way and i suppose that any spiritual teacher like usui sensei like osho like any anybody really starts with the spiritual experience and then tries to put that into into words or into a system tries to transport what he experienced to his students so usui sensei translated his enlightenment into a system of bodywork it seems yeah? but it's not yeah it's this is all done in favor of transporting this transcendence and somehow he managed in the initiation in the treatments in the practice to always have this flavor of transcendence in it and that's why i love reiki so much because in every reiki moment there's a little bit of this freedom transcendence enlightenment whatever you call it or just being empty space just being present yeah? just being here just as you are no need to change anything to be different just be as you are one with your breath one with your body one with your heart and mind very simple right yeah and that's um interestingly i thought the the two books together were such perfect companions for each other because i think a lot of when i was reading is it reminded me a lot of reiki and how you know we may have ideas of what we think it's going to be before we take a class or what we think it's supposed to be especially you know, um, with how things have uh, been presented here, like in the West and with our, our culture and that infusion of things. But then starting to have that realization of what is happening to you and this relationship that you do start to come into with yourself. But what you really highlight, I think in both books really is the importance of diligence. And how, yes, I mean, these things may be offered to us. We could have an attunement, we could read the books, we could go to classes, all of these things. But ultimately, we're the only ones that can cultivate that relationship with ourselves and cultivate that, that connection with our own breath and our own beingness. So I wanted to ask you about that too, um, because it is something I think is helpful for people to really consider is that diligence in our practice. And when you personally think about that, what does that look like or what does it mean? Because we may have a very narrow view even of what or how that can be expressed. Yeah, it needs all your attention all day, all night, yeah? constant. Mm -hmm. You have to work on it. And it, it's not that <laughs> we, do, we do the Reiki or we do our meditation to get somewhere, to reach something, yeah? to become something. But the practice itself is the enlightenment, yeah, so to say. It's the, what in Zen Buddhism maybe they would call enlightened action. 
the opposite of neurotic actions. And we all know when we are being neurotic and when we are not. So this is it. It's not about getting somewhere, reaching something, and it's not the finished product that we're looking for. Our life, every moment is that product. Every single moment is that. So we need to be quite serious about that in a non-serious way yeah. <laughs> to really put all our heart and all our love, all our tenderness and all our awareness into being present and working on this, on this until we die. Right. And That's so I it. love that you mentioned yeah, because... the enlightened action because when you said that in the book, it was just like, oh, wow. I mean... I think it also shows the expression of what we consider, you know, the practice of Reiki, how it goes beyond just, you know, if you take 10 minutes to do a practice or 30 minutes to do a meditation, but literally that expression in every aspect of your life, like it's just this ongoing thing. There's not necessarily like a cookie at the end or some bell is going to go off once you reach something in particular but it's this ongoing expression of who and what you are. Right, there's no finish line. There's nothing to reach, nothing to gain. You are already perfect as you are. You are already the finished product. Now all you have to do is to to deepen your experience moment by moment and become more kind, more loving, more aware and that's it. Yeah, there's nothing to reach, nowhere to go. And uh, you're, you are here, or we are here, all of us are here to learn. And this is our chance. So from that point of view, obstacles are great. Yes. Yeah, the obstacle course is great. Just think of it like okay. kids who do obstacle course running. Yeah, They have to climb over something. They have to swing from something. We are just like that. Yeah? So might as well enjoy the ride, eh? enjoy it, and give all our attention to it. And don't do anything half-hearted. It's, it's a waste of precious time. Yes. And, you know, I think another thing that was so beautiful um, that's included in the book, but you also, you know, share with us very much in um, taking classes with you, is you had sections within um, One with Reiki where you even highlight Japanese culture and you highlight different traditions and beliefs that are um, embedded within the culture that also help especially you know for our western minds maybe have more of an understanding or even more of a respect quite frankly for um, some of what was infused into this system and um, maybe the thought or understanding behind a lot of what may be more natural other cultures or other people but uh almost kind of like setting a certain framework for us that we may not understand so i thought it was really interesting that you included that and i wanted to ask you about that like why you felt that was important to include in the book and for people who may not be as familiar with you i um, just want to highlight that you actually lived there for several years as well i think if you who practice a, a Japanese healing art, it's good to know a little bit of the Japanese cultures to be able to understand. Same for somebody who's doing 
Qigong also would be good to know something about Chinese culture. It would be good, I think, to go and visit the place, see the people, eat the food, all of that. Yeah? Or somebody who practices yoga is good to know something about Indian philosophy and culture. And that was my, my main reason to give some kind of basic framework so that the practitioners can understand the teaching better. And the, the main reason was this, that when Reiki was brought outside of Japan by Hayashi Sensei in 1937, when he went to Hawaii, the first students were all Japanese or of Japanese origin, and they understood the practice and the, all the philosophical and religious and social structure of Reiki because it was their own culture. Then the first non-Japanese people learned and they had to create kind of a Reiki lingo, yeah? a Reiki language. And in the process of creating this Reiki language, which was necessary for us to practice, because we didn't understand the Japanese concept, the actual teaching changed. Yeah, because many things got lost in translation. Like there are just many concepts that we don't have an equivalent in our Western culture. So we had to create something. And my idea was to reintroduce those original, original customs and original concepts to explain them in simple words so people can understand it and then grasp the idea that's behind it, yeah? the structure that's holding the Reiki in place. And um, yeah. Yeah, I hope I succeeded in that to some extent. Yes, yes. I, I really thought it was like such an interesting addition because, you know, I've read several Reiki books, but to have that element, yeah. But again, in a lot of ways, it was like sitting in class with you again. And uh, just for people know, I mean, you're like a wonderful storyteller and you can tell that you have so much passion around um, the history and the culture and the connection and all of these different things It comes through um, so much in your teaching. So anyone, like if you wanna have a class, <laughs> our Java sensei, I mean, this book was really like sitting in class with you. But I also wanted to ask you about, because I think in a lot of ways, and it seems like maybe because of technology and people are having more conversations, people are connecting more with people all over the place. It does seem that in a lot of ways, um, the understanding of this overall is starting to widen and uh, change in some ways because I remember when I first learned it did seem very much about you know uh, only laying of hands and like what you're doing for someone else like there wasn't a lot of focus on you the internal the observation like the work that's actually happening within you and your contribution to that and it seems that people are moving more in that direction um, which is interesting but you have a chapter called The Pilgrimage of the Self is the Goal. So I just wanted to know if you could speak a little bit about that and share with us what that means. So uh, from a, let's say, from a Zen Buddhist point of view, 
everything that's happening in your life is you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your life is you. Every moment of your life is good, is you. And that includes the good experiences and the negative experiences and the in-between experiences, everything. Everything. This is all we got. So we might as well enjoy that. Enjoy the ride, not think about what tomorrow is going to be like, what yesterday was like. Anyway, the future, as we know, will always turn out different. The past is gone. All we have is this moment, this now, and we might as well enjoy it. And um, one of the the things that I learned from, from Osho, he always said that Buddha is a little bit too dry. Yeah, it's all focused on awareness, on consciousness, on witnessing, on, on being present. Yeah? And he said that Nikos Kazantzakis, the Greek writer, Zorba, Alexis Zorba, is a little bit too wet. Yeah? So it would be good to meet somewhere in the middle between the the Buddha and Zorba, and he called that Zorba the Buddha, his concept of somebody who is aware, crisply aware, but tender and alive. Yeah? Yeah. And this, this is what I really learned for him to, from him, to, to combine these two, the awareness and the, the sweetness, the kindness, yeah? and to live a life that's really full of aspects of the self. Yeah, and you know, it highlights a lot in that, uh, in the book is where you talk a lot about um, the different polarities, but instead of like this or that, there's this emphasis on this and that. Um, <laughs> and you know, that in of itself is a um, very interesting dance and framework of it all but you also remind me of um in you saying that when you're talking about our relationship with ourselves like again our relationship with Reiki and um just like how far and deep we will nurture that within ourselves but doing it with this lightness like doing it with this reverence but it comes back to like this loving loving within loving within and knowing that you're already okay as you are. So I know that can sound kind of confusing, I think in a lot of ways, because it's on one hand, it's like accepting what is being okay with that. But at the same time, having this process of refining and becoming more in love with who you are. So (laughs) like for um, us where it may be kind of hard to wrap our minds around. It's like, yeah, we're changing, but we're okay with how it is, but we're changing, but we're okay with how it is, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how does that kind of, how do you reconcile that or how have you? Yeah, so just for argument's sake, we could divide ourselves into body, heart, mind, maybe we, say is one unit and the third one would be spirit or soul or essence or divine spark whatever you may call it so the body obviously 
can do with refinement. Eh? We can do sports, we can take care of ourselves, we can go to the beauty parlor, we can <laughs> cut our hair and do all sorts of things. Yeah? And we, the body needs exercise, obviously. Yeah? So it needs work, mm -hmm. it needs attention. Then the heart and mind, we know, so many traumatizing events have happened to us in our lives, in our childhood. And later on, we got hurt so many times. So there's always something to, to fix, to yeah. work on, eh? something to let go, something to forgive, something to incorporate, something to integrate, something to let go. Most of it, it's, I guess, is that. Eh? And then you have the your essential being as the third the third body, let's say, yeah. And that needs nothing, absolutely nothing. It's perfect as it is, whether you call it your essence or your your soul or yourself or whatever word you want to use. That's already perfect. And that's who you are beyond your physical body and beyond your psycho-emotional self. And if you start paying more attention to that, to the being, yeah, then <laughs> it's done. Yeah? So that part is done. It's perfect. It needs no work. And the other two, as a hobby, we can work on. A nice hobby. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so we can polish we can polish the the diamond of our heart and mind. We all know eh? there's always something to something to fix. But that's just just see it as a as a hobby, eh? as something you do just for fun. The real thing, the real you, the you that the I that you wake up in the morning and you know that I'm awake, yeah. Whatsoever that is, don't name it, but whatsoever that is, it doesn't need change. Right. It's perfect. We just have to pay attention to it. And this reminds me of um, a really interesting thing that Osho used to say a lot. He said, people don't suffer from their karma, from bad karma or something like that. He said, people suffer from unconsciousness that's it yeah we are unconscious so all of our life is here for us to grow to become more and more conscious more and more conscious of what is what is yeah and you even yeah. speak about those what different is. aspects of us yeah just what is but the way that you described it right now I mean it makes perfect sense and um, you do talk about those different aspects, those layers of us and one with Reiki. But, you know, another thing that brings to mind, speaking of like the polarities, which is huge, I think, because a lot of times when we do start seeking and we have these amazing uh, experiences, again, many that we can't articulate, but just that starting to realize ourselves, starting to have moments of um feeling or witnessing a part of ourselves that we may not have known was there. And then a lot of people feel they're in a tug of war with their 
real life, so to speak, and then the spiritual aspect of their selves. And you uh, speak to this in the book about how the two really aren't separate. And so I wanted to ask you about that as well for people who do seem to struggle with almost like this identity crisis of how do I connect with this aspect of myself and still interact with the world around me? Yeah, this is a dance. And this is something that we, we all need to learn. Obviously, just spending an hour or something doing either your Reiki practice or meditative practice per day, consciously, beautifully, is not enough. You know, if you spend the rest of the, your time in a slumber, yeah? that's crazy. Yeah? So it's, it's a dance to put it all together. And those of us who do work that we love, are of course, very fortunate, because then it's much easier to combine the spiritual and the mundane. And I think that actually spiritual and mundane things are not different at all. Mm -hmm. If you do the mundane things with the spiritual um, attitude, it becomes prayer or meditation or inner work. And if you do spiritual things with the mundane mind, it becomes garbage. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, but I know it's not easy yeah? because most of us have to work and many of us don't have the luxury to do work that we really truly love. Right? Then we all have to live somewhere. Most of us don't live in the place of our dream yeah? where we say, I want to live in this place. I do, I'm very lucky. Yeah? Then many of us are in relationships and many of us are in relationships that are not good. They are not, they're not happy there. Yeah? They're thinking, oh, well, yeah, it's okay, but it's not really what I want. Yeah? And all of those things, they take a lot of energy. Not living where you want to live, not doing what you want to do, not being with who you want to be with. And that makes the inner work very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. But it can also be used as <laughs> used as a, an explosion to catapult you into another another level. Yeah. So I noticed that many times when things are really difficult, either personally or financially or, or spiritually or physically, yeah, then there is an opening yeah, to for transformation. Yeah. Yeah, so even if someone is in a difficult situation and hasn't been able to get out, don't worry about it. Don't think that you're a lost case now, but maybe this is the, the thing that will take you out. Yes. Yeah. You know, gosh, every time when you speak, there's like so many different questions that come in. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Um, uh, one of the things that with exactly what you said, it kind of points back to what we we're speaking about earlier of how, you know, our practice, so to speak, I mean, it really is an absolute expression of 
how we live. I mean, in every facet of life, whether it's we're going to work or interacting with our family or where it's just sitting with being with ourselves and <laughs> like that expression um, of that love and just what is just is. And it, again, it can come through um, everything that we do. It's not reserved just for our time over on the Zafu uh, type of situation. But I wanted to ask you also, because when I saw the title of this book, but the subtitle, Love, Devotion and Being Present, I was so curious because I've read uh, several of your other books as well. And even in the other books, I mean, there's still that essence of you. I mean, like the lightheartedness, but also like rich with history and all of these details. But just from the title, I thought like, wow, I wonder if this is like a love letter <laughs> to Reiki or, or what the inspiration is for this book because you've written books on Reiki before. So just wanted to ask you that, what really inspired this particular book, One with Reiki? The One with Reiki, as I said earlier, I wanted to, to explain the spiritual, religious, philosoph philosophical, and social background of Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. So Reiki can be grasped more clearly by someone who doesn't have that background and then when once I decided that it just started pouring out out of me yeah? that's the, usually how it goes yeah? I have an idea and when I say ah okay <laughs> and suddenly I don't think about it I don't sit there and, and ponder what I'm going to write or anything it just suddenly starts to whoosh come out and then I know okay I'm on to onto something good yeah? because otherwise it's, it's just a cerebral thing doesn't have strength yeah? but if mm -hmm. it flows nicely and quickly <laughs> then it's yeah. good yeah so yeah. that was my my reason for writing that book and the title um, it was a, a nice story I went with my editor my German editor we went to Japan and I had said to her, I want to show you a really, really nice Buddhist temple in Kyoto, where they have a, this incredible statue of the future Buddha, who's sitting on a chair, which is very odd. Huh? And he's sitting like, like this. Huh? And when we came out, she got the title of the book. Wow. Yeah, that's how it happened. And wow. the, the title for the is, I got just thinking about, again, about um, some literature from Zen Buddhism where a famous Zen master was always telling his students, this is how things is. <laughs> and students were saying, no, no. You can't say that. That's grammatically wrong. And he said, "Well, to hell with the grammar." <laughs> that's how it is. <laughs> that is really <laughs> funny. Well, I want to say this one um, is what's so interesting about it is, I mean, there's just so much for us to that we can implement that's in this book. So. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and, you know, there's so many other exercises I didn't even get to try yet that I want to 
come back into connect with myself and do, which I was thinking too, like how beautiful this is for us, especially in this time where we're not necessarily able to connect with people, as you mentioned, in the same ways that we were before, but still having variations of ways of looking at things and coming back into how we can connect to ourselves and work on this relationship, which is a, I mean, a really beautiful thing. And oddly enough, as hard as the year was for so many people, it really did push a lot of people into deep relationship and deep reflection with themselves. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm always intend to be positive and when, when something is happening or not happening, I reflect and I look and ask myself, what, okay, what can I do with this? What, what positive aspect does this have? Yeah? And this is what I came up with. And I thought that would be a good chance to do a book on all the things that we can do when we can't do what we usually can do. Yeah? So how can we help ourselves? How can we stay positive? How can we not get drawn into all the negativity, all the press, all the politics, the racism, all this horrible stuff that is going on? Mm -hmm. How can we just reflect back to ourselves and make a better relationship with ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, because that's the only thing that you have. Imagine that you, you're dying and you look back at your life and you think, oh boy, I really messed this up. I didn't get to know myself at all. I've been cheating on myself my whole life. Who wants to die like that? No, you want to, to die and look back on your life and say, why, well, yeah, I did my best. Sometimes it was not good enough. But I did my best, yeah? and I can now. I can go. Yeah? This is what I want. I, I don't want to look back and think, "Oh, I messed up." I definitely want it to be with that tenderness that you talk about so often. And as you're saying that, it makes me think of. Um, I know that we can. People can connect with you. One get the books definitely um i got them both on amazon but one with reiki and then is and of course i'm going to put the links down in the description for both but following you on facebook i have to say was also a joy um, <laughs> in the midst of all the craziness that was going on and enduring uh, a lot of it for the last seven months i was in dc with my family and so yeah a lot happened last year and Honestly, you know, it was interesting reading this book because so much of what supported me through the year was just my breath, just observing myself, observing what was coming up for me and how I was looking at things and how I was feeling about things. But with my breath, it was a constant. And you mentioned in one with Reiki as well, that importance of connecting to the Hara. And I, I mean, it was amazing how much I caught myself consciously breathing into that space just to stay, you know, not just connected with myself, but to feel peace in my body. And it was that simple thing. And it was so um, very impactful. But watching you on Facebook also <laughs> was really interesting because you post, again, like such lightheartedness and um, with your olive groves and, you know, the process of making olive oil and 
you share a lot of you know beautiful insights for your students as well. So I have to say for anyone not following you on Facebook, they may want to follow you because you do. I mean, you post a lot that is supportive of the community, supportive of your students, but also throwing in some lightheartedness in there as well. Yeah, thank you. That's that's all, all you can do. Yeah? Just become aware of your patterns and don't become negative. It's difficult these days. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So how to not become negative is to, to focus on the lightheartedness of things and the good things and focus on what you can do instead of on what you can do and focus on the love that you have in your heart, not only with people, but with things, with nature. It's, it's really easy, actually. It's really easy. But the most important, as you said, is the breath. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, it's so ridiculously obvious yeah, that if we don't breathe for a certain amount of time, we're done. Yeah? Right. So obviously it's the most important thing, but most people breathe into their chest way too shallow and we got to persuade the breath to go all the way down to the lower abdomen. And I promise you, those of you listening to this, in just two, three weeks of breathing properly, your whole life turns upside down for the better or right side up, I should say. Yes. Well, I have to say, I mean, you really give us so many um, beautiful considerations. And again, things that we can implement that so simple if we just make the time to, you know, just sit for a moment and um, reflect on so much of what you've shared and focus on the breath and these other exercises that you gave us. Um, Gosh, there were so many that were so interesting. But I really do encourage people. I mean, this definitely is for everyone. <laughs> the one with Reiki, I do recommend it uh, for all the practitioners. It's such a beautiful read and it really is truly like being in class with you. So hopefully dear teacher, you will be back in California one day and I can come and resit again because it's always a pleasure. And I thank you so much for taking the time and for the work that you share with us in so many forms. Thank you, Yolanda. And you come here to Greece one day. Yes, I want to come to Greece. Yes. (laughs) Yes, the one-way ticket. I saw that in the back of the book. You invite us. Yes, the one-way ticket to Greece. I'm coming to work in the Reiki Dojo. Nice. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so again, I want to say thank you so very much to my teacher, Frank Arjava Petter. Thank you for coming to share with us different aspects of what you have learned on your journey and for sharing your insights with us in your books. So the books, again, are called One with Reiki, Love, Devotion, and Being Present. And the other book is called Is Awakening, Wanting Nothing and Participating in Everything. And you can find links to purchase both of these books down in the show description, as well as the link to visit our Java's website in case you want to learn more about him and his work. And just a little reminder, if you haven't already signed up for my newsletter, you can do so at theenergeticalchemist.com. 
And while you're here, if you enjoy the podcast, I really appreciate you taking the time to rate the show. If you'd like, you can even leave a review. I appreciate that as well. I read all of them. And I'm so thankful for your presence. I look forward to sharing more with you. I will see you all very soon. And remember to always journey in love.